couple nights ago, I was coming back uh, after uh, visiting Rachel and uh, her kids uh, for a little bit, and I got back to my house, and it was sort of crazy. Um, as soon as I got back, I saw my dog, my dog uh, Boober is my, my dog's name. I don't know how many folks here have met Boober, right? Probably not many. I was going to bring Boober today, all right? Uh, every single congregation I've ever served as pastor, I always bring the dog one day to, to give the message. You know, one day have the dog. And I was, this was going to be his day, but I thought, well, the last time I did it, he didn't do so good. He didn't do so great. Yeah, he just immediately took off as soon as he got up here. So anyway, here's a picture of him right here. Here's a picture of him if you want to take a look at him. He's about 12 years old now. He's a, a border collie mix. Uh, he's incredibly sweet and adorable and very, very friendly. And uh, I'm going to leave him right here for a second. And anyway, I came back, and as soon as I see him, he's, you know, he's, he's, I pet him and things like that, and he, and, and it's so nice to see him, and the smile on his face, and he's wagging his tail, and he, he goes back to his little bed there, and I guess I'm just not done playing with him, so I go right to him, and I do whatever I normally do when I see him, I sort of get down on his level, and I just rub his little belly, and I put my head in his little fur, and I give him little boober kisses. And uh, anyway, so it's, it's really, and now I can only do this for not too long. You know, I can't really do it forever because I've got allergies, right? And it's one thing to be around them, but to get your head in their fur and, you know, you know, oh, yeah, it's not really necessarily. Anyway, so, so normally I only do it for a minute or so, and then I go and wash my hands afterward. You know, wash my, you know, get a little paper towel on the area there. And, and uh, but this time I didn't do that. This time, instead of stopping after a minute or two and saying, I'm going to eat you and things like that, instead of doing that, I just kept doing it. I just kept petting him. You know, like one minute after another and just nuzzled him and then another minute and then five minutes and then 10 minutes, and then 15 minutes, and then I just kept going. I don't know how long it was, maybe 30 minutes. I'm, I don't really remember how long it took. And you know what the crazy thing about it, here's the craziest thing about it, is that in all of the time that I did that, he never got tired of it. He never did. That into, I always imagine cats, like, you know, they'd get sort of sick of you petting them after a while and sort of want, I don't know, I don't have a cat, I don't know. But he never got sick of it. He never said, all right, Dad, enough. Right, he, he just ate it. He was sort of an infinite reciprocal of love. He could just, I mean, he could take as much as you gave him. It never ended for him like that. There was never enough. And the crazy thing it is the more I did it as well, the better I felt. There was sort of this loop that was going on. And in that time that I was thinking, I'm going to sort of late at night, and I'm just thinking about this sort of crazy thing. I thought, gosh, isn't it amazing? He is an infinite receptor of love. And yet, when you think about it, God is an infinite giver. 
of love. An infinite gift of love, an infinite giver of love. And I thought, oh my gosh, isn't that interesting? God is an infinite giver of love. Boober is an infinite receptor of love. God spelled backwards, right? Hey, there you go. God, I mean, G, yeah. I mean, hey, maybe I'm on to something here. There be, you know. I mean, let's read this list again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Nor is it rude or self-seeking or easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love always trusts, protects, hopes, and perseveres. And I thought, gosh, wow. There may be some truth to that. These dogs may be, they may be hidden angels among us. Love never fails. You know, it's sort of funny. The, the scripture we have today from 1 Corinthians, it comes from Paul, right? Our famous letter writer in the Bible. And he's talking, it's so interesting, all these epistles Paul writes to all these different congregations, he writes them because stuff's going on. You know, there are issues going on. You know, things are happening, and he's writing them to address the issues that are going on in the congregation. And it is so interesting, of all the letters he gives, I think Corinthians, the church in Corinthians, it is, it's dealing with some tough stuff. Really tough stuff. And they need a little bit of love. I mean, he's on to something. It's, it's very interesting. If you go into this epistle, Corinthians, and you were to look at all the church splits, all the church disagreements that anybody, I bet you'd find a majority of them right here in this epistle. It really touches something. Not the property stuff. I mean, even though those are issues in congregations, uh, they didn't really have property at the time. But all the other ones, I mean, you, could, you, you get a little flavor for it. Now, I'm not going to go into all of them. You could, there's, there's like a dozen of them, so I won't get into all of them. Some of the ones I won't be covering today are the food to idols and whether you should eat food from idols. Answer, you shouldn't, but not really for any good reason because you just don't want other people to see. It just doesn't have good, not a good look. Right? Another one, another one of the issues of the Corinthian church I'm not going to talk about today is the Harpy Valley PTA stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this person with that person and all this. I'm not going to get into those sort of details. It's, but those are the very kinds of things that if they do exist in a congregation, a meeting, or a church, that, it can be devastating. So he's, he's on to something. The other one I'm not going to talk about today is, let's see, da, 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 da. I'm not going to be talking about suing each other, right? So at that time, this congregation was suing each other in courts of law. And I think, the, you know, if you're suing each other in a court, well, maybe they were talking about a little bit of property back then. But if, if you're doing that, that's not, it's not a lot of love. The ones that I want to talk about, the three that I do want to emphasize, are some things that I've seen personally in my own experience as a minister. 
And I think that they're very important. They're very important to talk about when you think about it. The first one is how people, sometimes in congregations, they sort of go into different teams. Right? And the church in Corinthians, what had happened is mostly focused on baptism. People were saying, I was baptized by Apollos. He's like a great preacher, by the way. I'm on Apollos' team. Other people said Paul, like I was baptized by Paul, or others by Peter or Cephas. And they were dividing into different teams. And Paul was saying, well, you may be different teams, but you're really baptized under one spirit, and that is the spirit of Yeshua, or Jesus. That there is one spirit. And, and it's sort of interesting that I think about it, I think about it in my own experience, a, co a congregation I was at many, many, many years ago, as soon as I got there, they said, golly, we're so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. We are the ones who brought you here. And believe me, this other group of people, this under, other Sunday school class, they are terrible. They've been running this church into the ground for the last 25 years. We're so glad you're here to save us from them. And I was like, well, and this is, of course, after I got hired. I mean, they don't, there was no one that knew, yeah, they would not tell you this beforehand, right? I'm like, gosh, I'm, well, I'm glad I'm here to save you. Gosh, that's fantastic. I'm glad that I'm on the right team. Right? I fell into it myself. It was not my benefit when this other team sort of went up in a few years and they were sort of running things. In Christ or in Yeshua and Jesus, there are no teams. We're all on the same team. We are baptized in the same spirit. The very same. Another thing he talks about, and what I want to talk about is specifically Holy Communion. Now, then, when they had Holy Communion back in those days, they would have generally a meal. A, a sort of a big meal, right? The, the, the bread and the wine were part of a larger meal that could last for hours. And so what was going on is, back in those days, you have to remember something now, is the, the church did not have property as such. And so when people would meet, they would meet at people's houses, and usually, you know, if you're sort of wealthy, you're going to have a bigger house, and more people can meet at your house, so, you know, meetings here, and so what would happen is, in that time period, if you were wealthy and rich and powerful, the whole idea of it was you didn't work. Other people worked. They did. The slaves worked. The freemen worked. The women worked. If you were a powerful person, you didn't have to work at all. That's how you showed you were powerful. And so what they would do is the wealthier folks would get together around, oh, 3 o'clock or so on a Friday afternoon or Saturday, however it was, and they'd get together and they'd have a luxurious meal of pheasant and uh, wine and oysters and what else? To, I don't know what those kinds of people eat or whatever, anchovy, I don't know. And they'd have this wonderful meal, and the people that were the slaves or the, the people, the freemen, would come in after a hard day work around 6 o'clock at night, 7 o'clock at night, and it was like literally coming to a potluck where it's just like completely trashed. Nothing there. And by then, the party's over. 
And Paul's saying, you just can't, you can't do that. That the Spirit of Christ is there to take down those barriers between rich and poor, between men and women, between young and old. The Spirit of Christ takes down those divisions within us. Y'all need to share this meal together. The last thing he mentions, the last problem this congregation is really struggling from is the separation of the gifts. You know, who's got the best gifts, the spiritual gifts that are given? For example, I don't know if you know all the gifts that you can be given in, uh, in the ministry, but uh, one of the gifts is the gift of... Here we go. Actually, let me go back. All right. Y'all are going to hate me for this. We're going to go back to the last thing because I'm messing up a story here which talks to us about... I remember a congregation. It was a long time ago. We talk about this kind of thing. There was a woman named Aunt... Got to change your name. Aunt Martha. Aunt Martha. And Aunt Martha loved music. Oh gosh, she loved music. She loved music. You couldn't tell her anything different about it. She loved hymns from the 17th century, the 18th century, particularly German ones that were just very hard and dreary, more dirges than anything else. But if you tried to change her mind on this and say, gosh, let's sing a little bit of something different, couldn't do that. I was like, gosh, why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? Well, you, know, you do know that Aunt Martha, she does get $400 a month. And the way we figured it, that's about $50 a song, I guess. Gosh, well, good on Aunt Martha, but the rest of us are struggling here. Can't play favorites. There are no divisions and the church of Christ. And then the other big thing that they were really struggling with are these spiritual gifts I was mentioning. And here's some of the ones you could... See if you see yourself in the midst of this. Are you a messenger of wisdom? How about a messenger of knowledge? Who has the gift of faith? Or the gift of healing? Gosh, wouldn't it be great to have that gift, the gift of healing? The gift of miraculous powers. Gift of prophecy or speaking in tongues or the ability to interpret that which was spoken. Gosh, I would tell you a story about the few. Well, I've only spoken in tongues once or twice, but it's sort of interesting. I, I remember doing it. I'm not going to get into the details, but I remember in the, being in the midst of it and this guy was interpreting, and I'm like, that's not what I meant. I did. It was almost like, uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into it. Anyway, but they were fighting about what was the gift? What is the best gift? I'm a messenger. My gift, is, my gift is better than your gift. I'm a healer. But what is the, and of course Paul is saying, you know what, all of these gifts come from the same source. There's not one gift better than another. There's not an order to this. Rather, they are from the same source. It's almost as if a body arguing amongst itself, like the ear arguing with the eye, 
or the toe arguing with the finger. It doesn't make any sense. We're all part of the same body, the same unity. And I'm going to say it right now. That which unifies us most is love. Because love, of course, like it mentions, is the greatest of gifts. Because if we speak with the tongues of angels, or we're able to prophesy, or we know all the knowledge of the universe, and we have not love, we really got nothing. It's all around us. I mean, it really is the opportunity to love or to witness love. It's all around us. The image that I was given, the image I was just sort of, sort of this week, I got this image, the image of manna. You know that image in the Bible with manna, you know, the, the, the gift, the gift of God, the food God provides, the Hebrews, the Israelites as they are, wandering through the desert. God takes them into the middle of the desert. There's no water, there's no food. They are completely dependent upon God. And God says that he does this as a test to them to whether they will be open to receiving this blessing. This blessing from God that they don't have to work for, they don't have to work or sow or plant or harvest. It's right there. Every day they wake up, it's right there. More manna. And do they appreciate it? Do they treasure it? I'll answer. No, they don't. They don't treasure it too much. I could read you the Exodus, but I'm going to go to the numbers instead. And it says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. And the Israelites started wailing and said, If we only had meat to eat. We remember the fish and the salted salmon and the capers that we ate in Egypt at no cost. And the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic and the but we have nothing now. Our, but we, now we have lost our appetite. We never eat anything but this manna. You know, it's so crazy. They would rather have slavery and a tasty meal than to have the blessing and the love of God, to have the Spirit of God leave them. Now, I'm going I'm to sort of finish with this. I'll finish with this. You know the thing about manna? Think about it. There's lots of ideas of what it was. You know, the, you know what manna means? It means, what is this? What's this? I don't know what it is. There are lots of theories about it. But, but one thing that you, you got to know about manna is you can't store it. You can't put it in the bank. You can't put it in a grant, like one of those pots and store it over the winter and it'll be there. You can't store You can't even store it a day. They keep finding this out again and again. They'll they try to store the man. And he te God tells them you can't store it and they try to store it. It turns into worms the very next day. It's worthless. See, you can't do that. You, you got to eat it now. And I think that that's a little bit like, it's a little bit like, I like, like love. 
See, no matter, no matter what we think about love, love, you cannot store love. You can't put it in the bank. You got to spend it now. You got to take it now. And you don't want to wait for it a second more. You don't even want, and you don't want to rush it. You don't want to say, gosh, I, I love you so much. And just take, you have to treasure that moment you've been given. And so I know that there is somebody in your life right now, some person, some boob, or some, someone, or something in your life that you treasure so dear. And I want you to share love with them now, or in, in whatever way. Don't even wait. And don't rush it along. Don't say, golly, okay, I did that. But treasure that moment. And, and I'm not going to just, I'm not going to stop it there. The same with your love and your relationship with God. Don't wait an instant longer. Let us treasure this moment. Let's don't rush it. Let's embrace it. Let, let us embrace the manna, the love in our life.